he came up to me afterwards. He was like, yeah, I'm doing this thing called Red Hook Crypt. Do you, like, do you want to come do it with me? And I was like, what year is this? This is 2015. So I'm like 20. He was like, yeah, just, just come, come do this. Like we can like pay for some flights and stuff and you can just like come race with us. I was like, that sounds sick. And I was like, he said, it's like MotoGP on bicycles. I was like, man, that's like my dream job. The reason I got into riding bicycles is because I watched motorbikes on a, as a kid and I wasn't allowed to do that. And I was like, next best thing is a bicycle, right? Like, and then I was make the engine noise in my mouth as a kid. Like, wow. But <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. And then um, I did this Red Hook Crip thing and I was like, this is sick. And then we just, I just kept doing that. And then one thing led to another, got chatting to more people. All of a sudden I was getting paid to do it. I was like, this is mad. And then I went, I just want to keep doing this. This is sick. And then set up my own thing because I didn't want it to stop. And now I'm here. So yeah, that's kind of how it works. Well, that was our guest last week, Alec Briggs, the owner of Tekkers CC. A really great episode. He is from London. We speak about that London culture, plus we speak about his career a little bit, which is a little bit different. As you can hear, we talk about the Red Hook Criteriums. He's done a whole bunch of stuff. Among many things, he's created his own team, Tekkers CC, Tekkers Cycling Charisma. Go back and listen to that episode if you want to hear anything more about that. I've had some great feedback about that episode. I love chatting to him, but I really love chatting to all my guests and everyone loved listening to Alec. So go back and have a listen to that episode. We've got him here on Talking Luft as well. That's what's coming up. But I've actually been on a bit of an adventure this week. I went away with the Rafa crew, the RCC, the Rafa Cycling Club members, and I did a pilgrimage. Rafa put on a lot of rides for their RCC members. They do prestige rides, they do pilgrimages, they do weekly group rides. And I was able to chat with all the RCC members this week as we pilgrimaged down from Sydney all the way down to a place called Wagga Wagga where we competed in an event called the Dirty 130 and it was great to chat to them why they've become members of Rafa. I have an idea about Rafa, what I like about it, but I've got a bit more of the pro angle from the world tour. I love their kit and I love that angle they have. Now it's great for me to get involved with why people are joining the RCC, your everyday punter, what they get out of it. Have a listen to Ross, what he thinks about it. Oh, it's, it's not one thing actually. It's, it's kind of the mix of kind of social side and then the, the kind of local rides, but then also the, the kind of other other events and rides like the prestige rides that kind of stretch you. So yeah, because you're good mix of things to do it's all of that kind of wrapped into wrapped into one but you get to meet yeah people from across the country and yeah then we you know stay in touch afterwards so it kind of helps you with the next stage of what you want to do kind of motivates you to go go and do something else maybe look look at other things in the, across the country but keeps you motivated that's the main thing yeah you can go to the partner cafes as well and that's that's really good social scene after the ride that's that's always nice and catching up with people um yeah, and that's that's probably the main thing. You kind of you can choose to kind of um, push yourself or kind of have a bit more of a social ride. That's that's what I like. Bit of bit of choice. Well, it is also a special time of year as well. The classics are upon us, and you know how much I love the classics. More specifically, Paris-Roubaix, and well, life in the peloton have got a surprise for you too because we've got the Roubaix caps back. They went out, and by popular demand, they're back. Our Life in the Peloton subscribers got a little bit of a heads up on it. So they've already been 
getting into the Roubaix caps, but there's still a few left out there. So go across and check out the Etsy shop, go to lifeinthepeloton.com and grab yourself a Roubaix cap so you can sit down and watch this year's edition of Paris-Roubaix in three weeks time and have one of the last Sunday in Hell caps on. But for now, I'm gonna bring you the Talking Luft episode with Alec, enjoy. All right, let's start this one. We've got a talking lift here with Alec Briggs. This is going to be a good one. Um, He's got plenty of style. So the way this works, mate, this year anyway, is four topics. Style, bikes, culture and about you with some questions underneath. And we start with style and we start with caps. Capolinos, caskets. What is your style? How do you wear yours without a helmet when you're walking around, when you're cruising around, whatever you're doing, what is your style with the Capolino? All right, so for me, it's like you place it on the on your head as normal, but you pull it to like two-thirds of the way down. Like the elastic can't go full stretch on your head. The elastic's got like a few crimples in the back. That's that's how I'm doing it. And it's like, you know, you can bowl around the glasses on top or whatever, add a little extra flair. But yeah, man, not backwards, not to the side, like, you know, some like old school fresh prints. Just a little bit of luft. Just a little bit. Forward, brim down, and he's got probably about, from what I can see here, about 10 centimetres worth of gap from the top from the top of his ear to the top of the hat, um, which is a good amount of luft. Yeah. I'm not the guy that's trying to, like, show everyone I'm a luft guy. I just want you to, like, double take. And you look and you go, oh, a little bit of luft. Yeah, yeah, nice. That's, that's the way. All right, if you could have raced back in the day um, without a helmet, what would your style have been? Would it have been a headband, cap, forward bit of luft or would have been like a sausage helmet old leather helmet bandana potentially or just the just the old uh golden locks or tinged orange locks flowing in the wind oh you know what i don't know man that's a hard question depending on my age and my hairline status it'll probably be the hair right but then when it starts going a little bit ropey and going back you, you might sneak in the the uh the headband but when the headband ain't doing you justice anymore, and there's a bit of a hair to scalp gap there, what's going on between the headband? And that's when the cap comes up, and you're bowling around the cap like, yeah, man, this is baller. And I reckon I'd race a bit backwards. I'd be like, yeah, yeah back. I'd race a bit backwards, with it flicked up at the back, hundred percent. So there's, there's a transition, you know. I'd have I'd have like um, it'd be like a phases, you know, when they like it's, there's like the generation of hairstyles of like Ronaldinho or Neymar or something. Everyone's like, ah, oh, he's got this hairstyle now. But for me, it would just be. He's, he's had a hairstyle. He can't afford that hairstyle anymore. So now he's got a cap and it'll be like the two errors. Which one was the better error? That's how I do. Mm. Do you think that's been something that you've noticed actually with old pros? Maybe they did do that back in the day. You know, as they got older, they changed their style. I think that would have been the way. You know what? Yeah. You think about Wigo. Like Wigo, Wigo has gone through so many styles. He's been like different people with his looks. Mm. He went from like skinny mod to hench like, oh, I'm out. You take what you want. You know what I mean? Like he's old pros though. I'm trying to think. Is there anyone for you that stood out that like had like two different looks? Chippo? Chippo, did he did he always have the the, the brill clean brill, brill cream hair back, you know, slick back hair? I think I feel like he would have started with a hat and as he got older and bigger and liney, you know, as he turned into the big line, he, he sort of brought that style out. Do you do you reckon back then? Would your, would your mullet be longer or shorter? 
if you were raising your right helmet? I always used to like carpets, Vladimir carpets, mullet. That's sort of length for me. I don't, look, nothing against Shane. Shane Shane Archibald is the flying mullet, but that's too much mullet for me. It looks like a ponytail, man. Like fair play to him, but that ain't a mullet. I just see, I see a ponytail. I don't see anything else. You know what I mean, it's like no, no disrespect to his mullet, but he's just that's that's the way I'm viewing it. I didn't even know it was a mullet. You're the first person telling me this. I was like, yeah, that's to do with a ponytail. He's the official flying mullet, right? What is it? Do you still shave your legs? What's your what's your leg status these days? Right now, nah, because like that's fast, man. Like I've got nothing. It's nothing to do with like the manliness or like you know whatever. Like my legs are what they are. I don't care. But there's something about turning up to race day with shaved legs and you go, yeah, I might go fast today. But you know, when like that preseason time, like you might do them with the the buzz razor, like the one that you shave your beard with, but then you won't fully shave them because you know you're not worthy of that yet. Like you're not going fast enough to warrant shaved legs. So I'm in that stage right now. So if I went and did a race and I had to wear shorts, I ain't shaving them properly and just buzzing them. I'd be like, yeah, a little bit of stubble, not that fast yet. That's how it works. What about kit now? Because obviously you got the Tekkers kit, but if you didn't have Tekkers kit, are you like an ex-pro kit sort of guy or you like sort of look for the new wave stuff out there? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of everything, man. Like I'm into... When I first designed my first Tekkers kit, I wanted it to be a, a modern take on a, on classics. So I had like the, the white box and stuff, you know, and the big name across, kind of like the old, like the Famer kit and stuff like that. Is that how you say it? And I want almost like the Marlborough. Oh yeah, right. That that one was banging. I reckon, you know what I do? I'd have I'd have an old school motor racing kit in the style of Repsol Honda as a cycling kit. That's the way I'd do it. With the, the turquoise green and stuff. It's banging. Nice, I like it. All right, next next topic. Bikes, RMG, road, mountain bike, or gravel bike? One bike forever, what are you going to choose? Well, gravel bike, cross bike, whatever you want to use as that last bike. I haven't actually included, sorry, I haven't actually included for you track bike or single speed. I don't don't think you could look past a cross bike, mostly because I could, I've raced crits on a cross bike before, so I'm not worried about that. And then I, I could still get the same sort of thrills from mountain bike on a cross bike. But if I was truly, ah, I don't know, man. Because really, I, I love racing, right? So I hate riding road bikes, but I love racing them. And I love riding mountain bikes, but I hate racing them. So cross bike it is then. You like riding it and you like racing it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Fair play. There you go. Done. Cross bike. Social bunch or hour of power when you go out? Social bunch only because um, sprinting for towns lines is too funny. Do you have a Strava account? Yeah, but I post on it like twice a year. They even gave me like I did like a podcast with Strava and they gave me like a the tip thing. Like, you got to start posting on Strava now. Oh no, <laughs> I feel so bad, but I don't. <laughs> it's just who cares, man. So you so you don't you don't hunt comms then KOMs? No, I, I like downhill ones. Oh, yeah. I try. I once tried to go for the downhill KOM in Sakalobra and I came around the corner. And there was a car overtaking a go into a blind corner on my side of the road and I hit the windscreen and almost died. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> no, Why crazy. are we laughing? Why are we laughing at that? Honestly, no way, way, but like I had this brand new bike ride that was supposed to come out for like a couple months and I was shooting a video for it and I smashed this brand new bike into eight pieces. <laughs> it was so messed up, man. It was crazy. Advertisement for Strava comms right now. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Favorite training loop of all time. Like, in, and think of that loop just that ride you like to do, someone's going to know. It could be just one. like a, 
Yeah, but what about the ride to like Herne Hill or, you know, the ride over to Crystal Palace or, I don't know, maybe you've just got like a, a mountain bike loop. Yeah, my, my favourite training ride is, uh, is a race. Basically, ride to, ride to Crystal Palace Park, race it and ride home. Like, that's top tier. Like, you do 100 and something K and you had a sick time and you don't even notice that you're training. Like, I hate training, man. It sucks. Mm. So I don't have a favourite training loop, but mountain bike is sick. What's the road like on the way there and on the on the way back? Is it like a pretty hectic sort of traffic ride or is it like pretty cruisy? And once you finish the race, you're sort of rolling home going, yeah, you stop at like a place, get some snacks or even a cheeky bar because, you, you know, all the pressure's off. Is it that sort of ride home or is it a bit more like, oh, I just got to get home on this shit road with a bit of a headwind? So it's, it's a sick ride home. Basically, the ride up there from my house was 10 minutes and you'd bang it up, warm up on the hill go straight to the race and then afterwards you go to like the pub or four boroughs which they sell like beers and coffees out and stuff you go there and chill with everyone chat shit after the race and then just cruise down the hill and there was this section right went from the, this like one of the highest points in london and you went round this roundabout left flicked it right down this off canvas section and if you saw the light just go green about like 200 meters away you sprinted to get to the light and you go around this right hander which was so scary but so fast and that would cruise you down this like for the next section another four corners like 50k an hour to your door and it was like the sickest ride home ever it was so good there we go that's perfect that's what i wanted to hear a rider comes towards you what's your way are you a wave person and what's your gesture what's your sign are you like an arm arm off g'day mate are you just like a little finger off the bar are you just a simple nod what or are you just like a bit of a no gesture at all, you know, like on your way, buddy. If um if they're a new cyclist, like see they're a novice, I'll make an effort to like properly wave. But if it's like just, you know, quite an experienced cyclist, I'll just give a nod, like you're right, pal. Then that's it. What's your reaction if you've given the nod or the wave and you just get clearly seen and just blanked? Does it annoy you or you just let it rot just sort of dust off your shoulder? Whatever. Uh I start quaking in my shorts that so that guy's going to beat me next race. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's about it. Like, oh, no, um, I just go, guy's got to be bored. <laughs> Man's not happy. What can I do? What's your, you've had a, a million bikes over your time, lots of different styles of bikes. Think back, what has been the best bike for you of all time? One of those bikes, doesn't have to be the fastest, just that bike that you just love. Oh man, that's so hard. Um, Give me one. It doesn't have to be the ultimate, ultimate. I reckon my my alloy, alloy sprint bike because it's the multicolored one which we have for Red Hook Crit, and um, I still ride that bike today, even though I'm not really supposed to and stuff. But like, it's it just looks beautiful. It's alloy. It's durable. It was just like, and you could do anything on it. And the best bit, right, is that like. I had like the, the fancy smart race version, carbon one. And my teammate came over from like Red Hook Day and was like, I think I can't, I can't bring a bike. He was like, oh, you can use my LA Sprint. And he was just like, no, I can't ride this bike. It's not good enough for the, for the tour yeah. series and these guys, these wild guys. I went, right, you take my S-Works. And if I beat you on this, I'm going to slap you so hard. And I lapped him on the alloy bike. And he was on my carbon, like eight grand race bike. And I was just like, you dickhead. <laughs> it was like, that's, that's why I fell in love with the alloy bike. And I was like, that's cool, man. <laughs> very good. Very good. Let's, let's do culture. Um, 
Favourite race of all time. You could have done it. Maybe it was a race you always love to watch. What is your favourite race of all time? No, Crystal Palace Spritz. Straight up, man. Honestly, yeah. Because anyone could come there, no matter who they are, like World Tour rider, and I can, I can have fun with them there. I can give them a race there. Because it will be sick. You know, it's not just whatever. But favourite race series of all time is Red Hook Crit, for sure. But favourite single race, Crystal Palace Spritz. Awesome. Favourite rider of all time? You know what? It's, it's changing. But I think the one I had the most likening to, like the one I liked the most, sorry, was probably Steve R. Oh, nice. And I think just, you know, like, yeah, it's, but there's, there's, there's weird reasons. But then you look at someone like Matthew Van Der Poel and how can you dislike the guy? And you know what? Actually, I'm going to say it annoys me because sometimes his race head isn't, it annoys me, it winds me up. Steve Barr, the favourite rider of all time? Favourite rider right now then? But for no for no rational reason other than then I saw him when I was a junior and he was the, the cyclocross guy that went to the road and I was like, he does a bit of everything. And it was like the underdog that I wanted to do well in the road scene. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But then a favourite rider of all time of just mad respect, it will be Tom Pickoff. Like, even though I know the guy, I still watch him ride a bike, yeah? And I'm like, that takes a piss. That's just, yeah, man, you're going to be sick. Like, I think he's just, He's living, he's doing all the things I wish I did as a kid. So not even with resentment, I look at him and I just go, well done. How do you go, how do you go if you go out mountain biking with him, not racing, skill-wise? Uh, I don't know what he's like on, a, on an enduro, because I ride enduro bikes. So I think we'd be close. I think we'd be close on the downhills and stuff. I reckon that'd be a good little battle. That's something we got to set up, actually. That's something for everyone listening out there already knows how good Tom is. And it's good just to get that level of, Skill, because I, I'm just not that I've ridden with you, but I've just sort of heard, and I know that you're very, very skillful on the bike. And I've seen, we all saw Tom Pickock at the at the Olympics and in all the mountain bike world cups. That's the only stuff I've seen. And you're like, mate, this guy knows how to ride a bike. Yeah, he's he's top tier, man. He will be my favorite mm-hmm. cyclist of all time, I reckon. And favorite rider right now, then is he going to get the double? Um, Scotto, he's right now. Yeah, I guess so, man. I guess so, like. Yeah, it's, it's, it feels like a cop-out, you know? Because I've always, I've never liked supporting the best rider, but I think watching him try and beat, like, Wout and Matthew over the years, and like, I think a lot of people were like, oh, you know, he's not, like, quite one of the big three or whatever. Bro, he's going to match these people up, and that's going to be that's gonna be cool mm. to watch. So I look forward to that. All right. What about your favourite kit and team? Now, this could be separate, but you could just, like, look at it and go, you know what, I love that kit on that team, like you know, Mappe or Team Coast or whatever it was. But I also love the roster of that team. They used to have the best riders. Or you could go, I love that kit, but they had a worse team. The riders were crap. And I hated that kit, but I love that team. The riders were awesome. But they had like, you could say, you know, AG2R kit forever. The worst kit ever, but I love that team. Whatever it is, what is it? Or is it the combo? Hold up, hold up, AG2R kit, the brown shorts, the peak. Oh, get out of here. They're so good. You know what? And I've got a mate on the uh, development team. I swapped in some tickets kit for the full-on brown leggings. Brown <laughs> <spot>. <laughs> it's so, it's, that's, for me, in terms of current standards, that is the kit I'd want to wear. <laughs> oh my gosh. That kit is top tier. But, um, yeah, in terms of riders, in a team, look, man. How can I? How can I look past? Okay, next year or in a couple of years' time, when I see like five London guys in in like whatever team they're in, whether it's Ineos or whatever kind of 
weird name they are at that point. I'm not. I'm, it's going to be impossible for me to not love that team because half of those guys I would have ridden with or like raced with and whatever and been friends with. But you can't do that. You got to do one now. You can't just predict teams and go. Oh, okay, okay. You know it's rude. Yeah, I don't have an answer because I don't care. No one, no, no one's ever, no one's ever hit me like that. I know that's mad to say, but I've never ever looked at a team and gone, yeah, they're my favourite. That's how weak cycling is sometimes. And that's, that's just an honest, brutal answer. What about kit then? Let's just go fully, full aesthetics. Are you like an old school guy, like, you know, 80s? Or are you a bit more like 90s? Or you like sort of current day stuff? I'm more 80s, 90s in terms of, yeah, what I like. Um, you know who I'm going to root for? Because this is just a curveball and a half. Who was that team, yeah, that had the denim, the denim shorts? And the denim, like, the overalls? Yeah, that was um, Carrera Jeans. Yeah, Carrera Jeans. Very good. Good answer. They're there to just annoy people. I love it. Tick of approval. You know those Knicks actually had a pocket in them where a jeans pocket would be? See, I tried to do this with Levi's, right? Because one of our sponsors is Levi's. Was like, can I stitch a Levi's pocket on? And we just thought it wasn't going to be possible. But I think, uh, that's just incredible. They, they've game set a match. They won. All right, mate. Well, you you might have one of, a good one of these, a war story. This is one of those days where you just know, it just it's in your head. You go, oh, you know, that that day, it was just a day. Have you got a war story for me? It could be one of those Red Hook crits where it just didn't happen or it did happen, but just the build up to it. I don't know. What is a war story for you? It might have been back in the day, Crystal Palace. I don't know. Um, there's one that's, this is the result I'm probably most proud of and it wasn't a win. Um, it was Red Hook Crit 2017. I've been ill for like two weeks in the run up to it. It was home crit, running for specialised. It was like a big thing. I was like, yeah, I can win this race, whatever. And um, got to the final from like a shaky kind of qualification, like just feeling absolutely whacked, like was absolutely annihilated in heat. And I was like, I'm just no way I'm going to survive this final. Went back to the hotel, just like, I think I did like seven shits. Like I was, I was in a bad way, man. Like it was not good. Right? <laughs> it was just like everything just felt wrong, you know. And um, my teammate Stefan Schaefer was leading the series overall. So like in the qualification, I've like spent so many of my chips like, just trying to protect his lead in the qualification for the bonus point. Anyway, it gets to the final. It starts raining. I'm like four laps in, moving up fine. I punch up, but then I'm rolling through to start finish straight. Punch has gone past and that's it. Day's done, man. I'm like, kind of almost relieved. And I see Stefan Schaefer on the side of the road with his bike because he had a puncture too, but then he didn't get his... um his wheel in quick enough to get back in the bunch because it took him a lap to do it. So then he throws me his bike. I get on the bike. The saddle's a little bit too small and they put the wrong cog on. So it was like a 48-15. So it was so spinny. And then I start chasing on to the back of the bunch. So wait, he threw he threw you in and went, I'm out. I can't get in. So you just keep going. And you're thinking, oh yes, I'm out. And he's like, no, nah, dude, you're back in. You're like, no. Yeah, exactly. So, and everyone was like, yeah, man, go for it. So I'm like chasing this tiny, like tiny gear and the gap's getting smaller and smaller. It's like 10 laps have gone by, right? And I'm like digging in, like considering there's like world tour guys on the front of this, making this race hard. And it's like in the rain and I'm going around every corner. Like, I just don't care. And every time the, the, the tires are just fishtailing around every corner, I'm on the limit because I couldn't make the speed back up on the straights because my gear was too small. So I had to just send it. Anyway, massive crash with um like maybe 10 laps to go or something and the race gets red flagged like restart they want to restart it but then so i have to 
I'm on the start line and I'm like, I could see the bunch. He's like, no, you've got a 15 second gap. I was like, bro, I could see the bunch. So I had to like re-bridge basically. Back off you go. And I'm screaming at the commissaires going, no, man. And these are like people that I'm like, I'm cool with. I'm good friends. I'm like, no, man, screw you. The gap's like five seconds. I can see it. But in my head, like I'm, they're saying the front, pel- front of the peloton starts with a 15 second gap. And I'm not equating for the, the rear of it, right? So after the whole peloton's been through, it probably was five seconds at the back of the peloton. So anyway, yeah. they count me down like one, two, three, four, five. And there's like video footage of all this, man. And like, it's just one, one, one step back. I'm screaming at my mechanic because they got me on the start line. Go, give me my bike back. I need my bike back with a new gear. And uh, the referee wouldn't let me take my bike across the line because of the timing chip because it messed everything up. So I threw my bike on the floor, yeah? And I'm running down the home straight to the pits. And I get my bike. And I'm like, has it got the right gear on? I go back, get my bike, go across the line, throw the other bike over the fence into the crowd and then start. And then within two laps, I just sprinted, got back on. And then it was like four laps to go. I got to the front of the race. And I went, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm going to have to just get on the front because I can't not now. Like, I've come from the back. I have to get on the front and just show that I'm here. And I came on. I'm not going to lie. It was like one of the sickest feelings ever. Like, London was just going, like, shouting my name. And I was like, this is pretty cool. And then I tried to tack in. Didn't work. Got back in. And then... This is the maddest thing that ever happened. One lap to go, I was like in fifth wheel and going, I could win this, but I'm, I'm nailed, but I'm proper screwed. And I was like this world tour, guy went world tour, this sprinter called, um, oh, what's his name? Ugh, how can I forget his name? But anyway, he's like, rode for Kofi this for a little while, proper sick guy. And we're sprinting up the road, with like five laps to go, he's got a lead up going on. And there's Colin Strickland in front of me. And we come around like the last half of the course. I remember dive warning someone, just going, I've got to do it. And I was like, get into fourth wheel. And I'm sitting again on one place on the podium. And like, I don't actually remember what happened. Like, it's the first time I've ever gone blank in my life. And I remember coming around the last corner and like squaring it off up the inside. I mean, I'm just going to sprint everything I've got to the line. I ended up rolling the guy for third. Third place just felt like a win. So to get on the podium after all that in London, everyone just going nuts. It was like, it was so sick, man. I was like, <laughs> never, ever, ever. Like, gonna have a win that feels that good. It was so cool, man. That's like a war story turned on its head. I like it. I like it. All right, well, let's get into this last topic about you. BWS, beer, wine, or spirits. What's your choice of poison? You're gonna, you're gonna hate me. You know? I don't even drink, bro. Check this out. Check this out. I know you can't see this, yeah? But I made my own beer. Oh, my gosh. And I called it the Post Palace Pale for like when you finish Palace. And it's got like a, a map of the palace circuit on it. How did you make your own beer if you don't drink? Because um, I went to, my mate uh, Reese Wood owns a brewery, Bianca Road Brewery in Bermondsey. And we held a party, like a pre-race party at his. It was sick, man. We had like bands and everything. And like, it's like DJs. And like 300 people turned up and like packed out this like huge brewery. It was sick. And I was like, let's like design our own beer for it. And let's make something that we can sell throughout the year. Make it like really light, not too much of an alcohol level so people can like bang one or two and ride home. And I was like, let's just call it the Post Palace Pale Ale. And then I tasted it. I went, yeah, that's pretty refreshing. And I was like, let's make that. And then we sold it all out in one night. And we're like, all oh, right, <laughs> that's that. It was still 5.5% I saw. So it's still pretty decent. Is that a lot? It's still just like a pretty normal beer. Yeah, it's good. It's not light. It's good. 1.8 units. There you go. So tell me then, what coffee do you drink? No coffee either. 
But you're clean as you're, mate. You're just running on pristine fuel in that body. I'm in. I'm into. I'm mad into Haribo and stuff like that. Like sweets. <laughs> I don't have that question, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, but like what I, what I lack in a uh, lack in beer and alcohol, I make up for in bad food, man. What's your favorite cross training exercise, if there is one? The warm up cycle speedway efforts. Have you ever seen speedway where you do like a little oval, like 19 meter oval? Big in Australia, actually. Well, you the motorbikes where the where the back goes right out, and they're like, yeah, they do a cycle version as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. There's no brakes. No, it's a free wheel. It's like on dirt, and you just you slam each other, you body check each other constantly. It's like ice hockey meets cycling. It's mad. So check that out. And um, yeah, like we used to do in our cyclocross sessions, we used to do like warm ups of those, so like a little oval. We used to like race each other and like slide into each other. And that was sick. All right, most rewatchable race. What's that one race out there that you've seen and you think that, well, if, if if someone hasn't seen it, you're like, you've got to go and watch this. What is that one race out there? Cool. It's got to be when Ian Stannard smashes up them three quick step boys. Like, that's that's just wrong. Against Boone and Turkster and that other big dude. I don't remember his name, but that was like, this is rude. And he went, you know what? Yeah, you're attacking me. I'm attacking you. Watch this. And they just went, oh. It's like that was the, the most baller thing I've ever seen in cycling. And it just took the mick. It's 2015, Hip Newsblad, and it was just set up. He was away, Stanard's away with three quick step guys, and they just keep lining him up, and he brings them back. Eventually, he comes to the sprint, and he just wins the sprint. You're just like, how's this even possible? It was so good. Like, it was underdog, plus... Stannard's just an awesome guy. Like, you want him to win anyway. But if it was anyone else, you'd still want them to win in that scenario. If anyone hasn't seen that, you've just got to go and watch the last 10K because that's the best bit. But the whole race is awesome too. Great choice. It's when you watch, like, one quick step rider attack and they go, ha-ha, I got you. And he just looks at them all and goes, oh, I'll ride it back on. And it's just that moment, that moment where you go, oh, this isn't over. It's, you can't believe it, man. That's like some Rocky Balboa madness. I don't understand. It's, it's unbelievable. So they should make a movie about that, that race. They should make a movie about that. That's one of the best choices I've had on that question. Very good. Very good. Now, I've added this question in for you tonight because you're a DJ. Um, get out there. You you know, play some tunes. So when you're writing, do you wear headphones ever? Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I love it, man. Living in my own world. If, I, if a car's going to hit me, I don't want to hear about it. Nice. Me too. I've always got the headies in. Um, probably not advocate for safety, but I'm the same as you. I, I do I do like to get in the mode, whether it's listening to podcasts or listening to music on certain moments, up and down. What's playing in your headphones? What I know it's a big question. It's a huge question. Give me a little bit of a rundown on what, what happens for you. What's your thinking when it comes to writing and music? Oh, man. I was like... I always thought about like starting like being a DJ and call myself ADHD DJ, as in like just because I cross genres so often. Um, I do love like listening to uh, mixes actually, like DJ mixes, like things from like Ben UFO and like those kind of guys because the way they put together music is like they can make like a new tune out of two tunes. You know, they make two tunes mm. together and it sounds like a new one. And it's like just following a journey of music like that's pretty sick. So when you want to ride, it's like, right, I've got three hours. Let me bang on like two, two hour mix or something. And you just like, you ride with them, changing up the pace of the stuff. It's like listening to a, yeah, a story of music. That's what I'm into. Who is it? So listen to like someone like Ben UFO or Ben GB. 
um listening to like boiler room sets and stuff like that like just like especially when you can hear a crowd in there as well you can hear how they've like kind of orchestrated a crowd to like feel different emotions and get hyped and then be chill and stuff i love that stuff man yeah nice oh that's cool um all right last question best thing for you about riding a bike what is it why are you still pedaling a bike after all these years what does it give you oh man it's just sick isn't it like it's just it's just the feeling like it can either be like winning the race and like just dubbing everyone out or it can be trying to do a new jump which you haven't done before and scaring the crap out of yourself like that adrenaline hit is just top tier man like you can't replicate that it's just that's what's in it for me the freedom stuff and all that's cool escapism all right but i get bored after 10 minutes like i need something to scare me or something that's what i'm into mate i love it i love chatting to you tonight mate thanks very much for being on the pod thank you man it was an honor thank you there you have it another talking loft another great episode like i said i've really enjoyed chatting with alec over the last few episodes he is a really great guy and like i said a lot of great feedback about those episodes with him well how can you not like it he's such a great character like i said at the start of the episode if you do want to get your hands on a last sunday in hell cap they are now ready for you to go and get go across to lifeinthepeloton.com and grab yourself a hat get yourself ready for roubaix in a three weeks time i'm excited it's an extra week this year because you know the uci has moved it to the following week after amsoil gold race but it doesn't matter it's still there it's not going to be late in the year like last year i'm looking forward to it next episode we've got luke durbridge on we're going to be chatting about the classics i'm going to have a chat to him the day after tour of flanders which is happening this sunday and we're going to get a little bit of insight to what's happening over there in the classics Guys, as always, thanks a lot for listening. I want to say a massive thanks to our title sponsor, Rafa, who make this podcast happen and allow me to go on these adventures and bring you stories of my life this year. So a massive thanks to Rafa, of course, Lara behind the scenes, and Will Jones, who's putting these episodes together. Guys, until next week, thanks for listening. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Cheers, mate.